0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Long Lost heroes podcast. I'm AJ and I am Frank and welcome to a brand new episode. We have a brand new we have a brand new bond kind of like he's so brand new in my mind, like that we just started him and like we're done with him now. <laughs> is Timothy Dalton in license to kill? Um, we so, barely knew ye yeah, it, it's kind of crazy. So, uh, Frank, you hadn't seen this movie either, right?
1: Mm-mm. I definitely no. did not.
0: I mean, neither of us had, had really seen the work of Dalton, and we were really—Timothy Dalton, we really had never seen his stuff. I guess I want to address something. I heard myself on the last podcast, and I kept referring to Dal- uh, Timothy Dalton as Dalton, which isn't to say any disrespect, because he's a fucking really cool actor and a really great guy and he does a really great job here. I just think it's weird to say the name Timothy
1: over and over and over again. Timothy, Timothy, Timothy. What about Daniel? Daniel, 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 Danny?
0: (laughs) Yeah, but even still, like, Timothy, I I so disassociate (laughs) like, Timothy Dalton with James Bond. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Like, it's just two different things. Like, Tim... Tim Dalton, Tim bond. No, you don't call him Jimmy bond or Jim bond. That's what they <laughs> did in the shitty casino Royale TV movie. You know, like we're not doing that. Uh, so I'm sorry to say that I, we, I kept, I kept hearing myself say it. So I'm going to try to say Timothy Dalton or his version of James Bond or whatever this time. So it's, I break it up as much. I'm not disrespecting him in any way. I just, I don't know any other way to say or talk about him. um, So this movie, I mean, I liked it, but I just kept saying, what the
1: hell is going on? What did you think? Yeah, so, okay, for context, I just watched it like a few hours ago. Minutes ago, ago. yeah. Like, I started this afternoon, took a little break, and here we're podcasting, so it's very, very fresh in my mind. It is a really weird movie. Like, um, my first takeaway is, it doesn't really feel like a Bond movie, and I can't really explain why. And, like, it also – I just doesn't – to me, doesn't really feel like it has much of a plot. It's just sort of like this free fall from, like, the very beginning. And, like, you know, the movie basically is just Bond out for revenge, which, like, in a lot of ways is what Quantum of Solace is. (laughs) And, like, Quantum of Solace we know we don't like as a movie. And so this feels a lot like that, and it it makes me wonder if they were, like – but the the thing is, like, this isn't a sequel – as much to uh, Living Daylights as Quantum of Solace is to Casino Royale. Um, I just think that this one, just whatever they decided that they were going to do, maybe because it was the first, like, that, I mean, they took some ideas from the books, but they were really doing their own thing. Obviously it it, it didn't work because there's a six-year gap after this in movies for Bond.
0: This is also the lowest performing Bond in the American box office. Whoa. And, but it was also in the gr- arguably one of the greatest movie summers of all time, which is 1989, mm-hmm. in that you had Ghostbusters 2, uh, Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, uh, you had a, one of the diehards in there, Batman. Mm-hmm. Batman was a huge thing. Yeah. Right? So, like, this movie, it, it gets, I think, um, a little bit lost in the shuffle of that time period. When you go back and you watch the trailer, um, it's even like the inner world guy. Yeah, it's, that, it it's is. that guy, and he says like, you know, has one man ever left you breathless? And it's like, dude, like, yeah, I mean, he's Bond, but like, what the hell are you talking about, breathless? Yeah, you know, like Bond is suspense and uh and theater, like it, it, and the locations and the experience and the espionage and the you know, the debonair and the womanizing and all that shit. But I don't know if it's breathlessness. Um, And it just seems like it just seems kind of weird. It's also to note that it's at the end of a string of four James Bond films where Michael G. Wilson is writing Bond in to succeed in a way that he's getting by on his wits instead of gadgets. Yeah. Which is something we'll see in Octopussy, A View to a Kill we've seen in the living daylights and now you also see in this movie. And I think that to your point earlier about the plot, it's like, it's either this plot is very, very complicated or it's very, very simple. It's either he's just out for revenge and he wants to get this guy and that's it. Or it's this whole two paragraph <laughs> long thing about <laughs> what's actually going
1: on. Right. Um, I, yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, I know this is also the last uh, one that John Glenn directed, um, so I can understand why they they were just feeling like they needed to mix things up, um,
0: and well, like th- the, things
1: th- change drastically.
0: So in in gold, I think in Golden Eye, Cubby Broccoli is maybe
1: is he still alive at that point? I think he, I think he died in 96. So like he basically, so he would have saw the release of that movie. Yeah.
0: Okay. Whether or not he was super involved, we don't know as to right. that, but in this movie, in the special features, it looked very much like he was involved. In in fact, one of the trivia points was that once they got to the, the final location, the meditation camp, it's at such a high elevation that when they brought, uh, broccoli there, he couldn't t- take it and he got violently ill and he had to fly back to uh london hmm. to get better because he was the elevation fucked with him
1: so crazily well the other thing that i, I looked up so this wasn't filmed in london at all um, exactly this was all outside uh it was um i guess they, they mostly filmed I don't know. I, where was the, the other pineapple in, Mex- in Mexico. In
0: Mexico and City. Yeah.
1: So that's interesting. And then obviously some stuff on locations. Um, and but,
0: Q- QS, yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's just weird. Um, you, you don't see – and maybe that's part of it. Like a lot of times in a Bond movie you get to check in uh, with London and you get to go to MI6. And, like, obviously we have M and we have Money Penny briefly – both of them briefly, but then like Q is like along for the ride, which is so bizarre. It, that
0: that part is actually awesome. I, I think love it's, that part.
1: It's great. It's great for him. All I right. feel
0: like. All right, we we got okay. Spoilers. I mean, whatever you you fucking idiots.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll just say that this is a weird movie. If you if you haven't watched them, I think the Timothy Dalton movies are interesting. So wor- they're so worth it. They're worth watching. Um. Maybe, uh, you know, don't have your hopes up too high, but, you know, there are other ones out there. Uh, so we, we kind of didn't love this one, but uh, we'll tell you why now after we put up our spoilers right now in three, two, one, go. Okay, so
0: I think um, the reason why this movie is so weird is because it's way too long yeah and i I think that they just did way 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 too much uh there's so many plots there's so many story arcs that are happening throughout the movie that you're watching and some of them are actually taken as short stories from other fleming works even though the the title license to kill isn't the thing and We could talk about now how the original title was License Revoked. Frank, do you want to speak more to that?
1: Yeah, License Revoked. um, But I guess when they were testing it with U.S. audiences, they thought that it was like your driver's license getting revoked. Yeah,
0: (laughs) and and that's like so ridiculous to me. Um, Yeah. uh, Imagine they're just like calling the American citizen in 1989, like our parents, and they're like, listen, uh, Lonnie, uh, what do you think about the title License (laughs) Revoked for the next Bond feature? Right. Oh, you mean, like, my license is fucked up? No, 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 no. It's the next James <laughs> Bond movie. Oh, you mean, like, I can't drive anymore? No, 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 sir. <laughs> We're asking you about the name of the J- Chex- name. The next James Bond feature. Can you tell us if you think License Revoked is a good title? No, I definitely don't. Oh, and gosh. then they came up with License to Kill, which I think is arguably, I think, a pretty cool title it's not it's not super related to the actual plot in that it is the like you know it's a bond going rogue story and we haven't seen so many of the connery and uh more films to know how many times if he at all goes rogue in those movies mm-hmm. but to us now looking at the daniel craig era like he goes rogue all the, all time. the time
1: like to me honestly no license to kill would have almost been a better Name Like, just add that at the top. I don't know why they they couldn't do that. But, like, the weird thing— Because they have to do
0: No Time to Die, buddy. Yeah, well, they (laughs) didn't know that then.
1: (laughs) But so, like, looking at the description before watching it and seeing the trailer, like, it it made it sound like, oh, Bond is going into retirement, and he's doing this, and he's— It's like, no, no, it's like this offhand moment where he's like, I want to follow this thread to, you know— uh, get revenge for what happened to Felix Leiter, my friend, and his uh, wife, okay. and you're telling me no. And then Emma's like, well, re- resignation not accepted. You're suspended, and you can no longer have your license to kill. And that's it. <laughs> like, it doesn't really come into play throughout the, the rest of the movie. It's like there's no implications for him not being able to kill people. Like It's just such a weird Well, but element. I also
0: think – Yes and no. Like, I think that what they're also talking about, I, I think what you're referring to is when M is like, listen, we're not a country club. Like, you can't just, like, leave. Yeah. I, I think that, like, it, it's kind of right and that, like, whatever Bond does, like, it's not necessarily the day-to-day, like, Bond killing people, right? Like, Bond knows how to kill people and move on, and he just runs away, and, and that's it. It was also in the 80s. They didn't have the ubiquitous, you know, closed-circuit TV systems. They didn't have phones, like... You could they the forensic science wasn't what it is today. Like it's kind of a different time a little sure. bit. You know, you could kill people a little bit, you know, more freely, I think. <laughs> uh, now uh, it's a little bit more difficult. Um so when he's when he's doing this, like that isn't what worries m i six on the day to day. What worries m i six is like you mean like this guy is caught by, you know, the Nicaraguans or something? And now he's, you know, being interrogated and he's spilling the beans about, you know, the entire MI6. I think that's more of something what they're, like, really worried about. Sure. And I think that's what he's really referring to. Like, if you go any further on this and you get in trouble, we're not
1: helping you. Like, you're, you're on your own. Right. But the thing is, by the end of the movie, he succeeds in his mission and then they just take him back anyway. Like, yeah, like, and it's like a throwaway line, I guess on a phone call. But like, it's just like, okay, so there's no consequence, I guess, because he didn't get caught. Like, like you were just saying, like, if he got caught, like then just say, like, you know, if you get caught, it's on you (laughs) instead of making like this big thing. I don't know. It's just no, I,
0: I agree. And I also think this particular M is weird.
1: Well, he's the one that was in it for a long time, wasn't he?
0: No. no. This
1: is not the this is not the
0: OGM. He's not, this like, is not
1: from the the Roger Moore era M.
0: I don't know if he's from the Roger Moore era. I know he's not from the Conneries. Okay. There's there's a Connery guy who's the guy for a long time. Uh okay. it's like so Bernard M, Bernard something.
1: M from eighty three to eighty nine. So he was like at the tail end of of the Roger Moore Octopussy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He, so but I haven't seen any of those, so this is all yeah, new we, to me too.
0: We don't know. I don't know if I, the the M this M with Dalton because it's the first time I'm seeing either of this. Like it's just weird, you know. And I think uh, when you when you watch it, you know, M comes off so different from the from Judi Dench, and and I love Judy Dench, and I think that she really kills it in the way that she has the relationship with both of with both Pierce Brosnan and Daniel Craig. And this guy just seems like a stuffy asshole. Like we don't know anything about him. There's nothing that makes us like sympathetic to where his relationship is with bond at this point, mm-hmm. you know, like he's just like some guy. Yeah. And... and like
1: in the last movie, he's like one of a few Brits around this like stuffy table while they're eating, like at this like giant country club. And it just feels yeah. very <laughs> it's like we made a country club. It clearly is one. Um, but yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Didn't you see the last movie?
0: Yeah. Uh yeah, so huh, okay, but okay, I want to try to do the thing now. I want to do the where we try to wrap it up as quickly as we can because I've been trying to think about how I could do this and Okay. I'm going to try to free freeball it now. All right, so please go for it. I in the if you've been ch- checking out this recurring segment, I'm about to sum up the plot of this movie in as few words as possible. Okay. Uh, Bond seeks revenge on uh, his uh, Sanchez, who murdered Felix Leiter and Felix Leiter's wife brutally after they had successfully captured him. Ultimately, Sanchez is a drug lord, moving his product through gasoline trade. The CIA is also working on infiltrating him. Um, They're unsuccessful. And Bond has to stop this guy, not because he's out to stop the drug trade, but because he's motivated
1: by anger from Felix. End. Uh, One clarification, Felix did not die.
0: Oh, um, Felix got right. Felix
1: got eaten. Yeah, he he lost a leg. <laughs> uh, by the shark.
0: Oh, I should have remembered that because I know that the in the move in the movie they used a diver with one leg, ah. and then they had the the uh, diver's fake leg be eaten by the shark.
1: Interesting. <laughs> uh, um, so one other like interesting. So okay, now if we did your segment. We're going to go to my segment, the continuity corner. Um. <laughs> Uh, So this particular Felix Leiter is not the same actor that was in the last movie.
0: Uh, Definitely not. Definitely
1: not. But he was in Live and Let Die, which is like... What? Yeah, which is like a huge (laughs) gap, but he's back. (laughs) Um, So that's, I I think because, you know, people are probably like, oh yeah, Felix Leiter, I want to remember this character. And it's like, if you have someone that was there before, and he's, he's like a major player as a plot point. Um so that's interesting. They also have like a throwaway line of um oh Bond used to be married before. Like so like this is sort of like saying that this James Bond that we're watching right now is an evolved version of Roger Moore. Like he Oh shit. He like a couple years later this is what's happening. I don't know. It's just like very confusing. And then also, if if we're going to go with continuity, doesn't Felix Leiter show up later on in the Brosnan era? I don't remember. But I feel uh, like he does, unless he doesn't. I don't. I actually don't think that he does. Because if he did, he should have only one
0: leg. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't, I don't think so. I think Felix um, only comes back by Jeffrey Wright.
1: You may be right, because we have that other guy, uh, like, the, um, but he's not Felix. But he's not Felix. No, he's just some guy. Um. Okay, so what else can we say about License to Kill? I, I Robert
0: guess- Davi. Robert- we have to talk about Robert Davi. Okay. All right. The bad guy from The Goonies, the bad evil Fratelli brother. Not Joe Pantigliano, not the guy from The Matrix. Okay, and not the mom. Mm-hmm. All right, definitely not the mom. And also, definitely not sloth. <laughs> okay, I'm talking about the brother who sings ooh, Fortuna to Chunk" when he catches him. Okay, Robert Davi is the bad guy in this movie, and he's fucking awesome. He's a good bad guy. I, I do he's like him. He's really, he's really the redeeming quality of this whole movie, for me, because he's giving a hundred and like, he's giving a hundred percent. Timothy Dalton is giving 180%. I relate to Timothy Dalton on a level of, like, he, Timothy Dalton is so fucking dramatic. Yeah. And, like, this this movie specifically is all Timothy Dalton attitude. You know? Like, when he yells at um, Pam Bouvier in the fucking uh, casino, shaking, not stood. Yeah. Like, come on, you asshole. It's, it's not like, swagger. He doesn't have swagger. Yeah. He's like he has no right. It's drama. <laughs> you're right. He's like the Johnny drama of the bombs, <laughs> you know, and he's, uh, oh my god, and he's he broods in this one in a way, kind of like Craig, but also like uh, kind of like a Batman kind of a way. Ooh, okay, you know. Yeah. Uh, I also think this movie is seriously influenced by Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> you think? Um, <laughs> Yeah, th- these movies go very much after Spielberg. It's interesting. Yeah, um, you know they really were like we have to make these more like we Spielberg We need more films. sharks. <laughs> we need more sharks. We need more Indiana Jonesing. We need more you know action. We need the way that they kind of pace those movies, and I think that you see that a lot here. I really like the sequence with the with the shark in the beginning. I like that whole beginning part, but I feel like they could have started the movie there. And you know, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's it's weird to see. I think that the the opening sequence of this movie is, um, it, it's it's fun. Like the the idea is very is very fun, but it's also like super cheesy and campy. Exactly at the, you know, it, it like doesn't. It,
1: it's, I mean, it sets up the plot, but it's also not like it's not spectacular. It's like it's cool and different, right? like we haven't seen something like this before, but uh, it's weird because it's so light and like happy that like the, the events that happen afterwards or make it feel so super dark. Right. Well, that's why like, I think, I think if you were going to do
0: this scene now and like how you would do like a lower stakes opening sequence with bond is make it be like him having like a regular friendly meeting, you know, like, he's going to meet a friend or a girl for coffee at a time. And then some crazy shit happens that he has to deal with in the first five minutes of the movie, trying to get to the person like that's way more relatable in bond. Like we never, bond doesn't go to fucking weddings. (laughs) Bond doesn't have a fucking plus one. He doesn't go to the open bar. He's got other shit to do. That's why he's bond. Right. (laughs) You know, you know, like the idea that he's at like some fucking stom wedding
1: in, florida
0: like what the hell <laughs> like
1: are you kidding yeah, me? yeah it's it's weird the- i mean i appreciate the idea that it's like felix Slater is an important person in his life and they like have bonded no pun intended um <laughs> for all all these years but like yeah i mean i also feel like james bond would be the kind of guy to be like yeah i'll be there and then like totally blow it off Right. Or like, yeah, end up on a what, mission and being like, fuck, I miss Leiter's wedding. I feel so bad. Yeah, Spider-Man to that shit. Yeah.
0: You know, like he couldn't make it because he was fucking saving the world in the first five minutes of the movie. Right. You know, um, the scene where they're doing the stunt uh, between the helicopter and the plane was done practically. So I want So here's something. It that looks I, fucking I, awesome. Okay, so i we I got to talk about this because I think I have a major theory, and I'm like so excited to share this with you. So I think Timothy Dalton, so in the special features, there's a TV special from eighty nine. So there's on these two movies, there are two different TV specials from like the era that they came out in promoting the movie. And this one is done by Michael Wilson. And on it, there's a segment where you see Timothy Dalton kind of going over how, he doesn't want people to know when he's using stuntmen. All right. He's like very much against like the special features and the behind the scenes of it all revealing the magic of Hollywood. And he wants real of the full believability that you think it's Timothy Dalton doing it, which is why Timothy Dalton is actually doing this stunt where he's hanging out of the helicopter. Now, when he's hanging out of the helicopter, he's not doing it at the height that you're seeing in the film He's doing it actually pretty close to the ground. The plane is actually stationary on the ground, and they're shooting him from above, Uh, but it's actually him. And then when Broccoli got to the fucking set, he yelled at the stunt guy, why aren't you in the fucking harness doing this job right now? That's what I'm paying you to do. What the fuck? Hmm. And you know, Dalton, I think, brings a physicality to the role that I think we see again kind of resurge in Craig. So, yeah. like, in the way that, like, Dalton is kind of going after the more Fleming version of James Bond the whole time, uh, you know, he's also going after the physicality and bringing out kind of the believability in the moves that he's doing. Which, even though he's not doing a ton of moves, whenever he does them, you believe him.
1: Yeah. I, I, and I, I was looking at that, like, as it's, uh as he's coming out of the chopper, like... I was like looking at his face I was like wait, you know, that is him. Like and it like, like zooms in yeah. and it's like nope, that's totally him. Um and I think it's it's really a cool thing. It, it makes me think though, was, like are there any of the James Bond actors that are really method? Like do you think that Timothy Dalton is like a method actor and is like I believe I'm James he Bond? He was probably as cl- <laughs> he
0: was probably as close to that as we would get until Craig. You know, like I don't think Pierce Brosnan And you can see it from the action set pieces, right? Like Pierce Brosnan is driving a tank through Russia. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Timothy Dalton is jumping out of planes in both movies. That's true. You know, like he's doing, he's always flying shit. He's always driving these crazy.
1: Underwater all the time.
0: He's underwater all the time. Like he's doing really intense stunt work. And I think that that really... You can't fault that. And I think that that also goes on to for to to kind of maybe inspire Craig in a way that like in order for him to really stick out like the complexity and the way they shoot these scenes now, like it's inarguable that he, like the what the work he's doing is it's like he's doing stunt acting, hmm. you know, like he's like he's not just doing the you know the delivering the dramatic notes when you need them and hitting those you know emotions and and getting the jokes the laughs he's also fucking on the trains and and uh, fighting and getting
1: beat the fuck up yeah it yeah this is a very physical movie and because i think it, what it is is he's pretty bond is pretty reckless a lot of the time in this movie exactly and like you don't really feel like he has a plan he's just kind of going along with it as he's as he's there and because of that, he gets captured a lot, and he gets beat up a lot. And like, maybe he doesn't get tortured or anything like that, but like, he he goes through a, a, the ringer pretty much. And like, you know, by the end of it, it's like, damn, how did you even survive that? Like,
0: it's it's crazy because he gets um, he is he's captured a ton in this movie, over and over again, <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> and then they lock him up and. It's not the typical like I'm going to monologue to you kind of situations either. No. You know, it's these tense movements. Do you think that uh Okay. So uh, I like Q as a field operative. I think that that's fucking fun as all hell. Um but do you do you miss the a car? Do you miss kind of the maybe the more formulaic Bondness of it all. Yeah. Because I think that in the, some ways this movie is going back to formula. In some ways it's going away from formula. What do you think of that?
1: I feel like it's going away from formula a lot. Um, bringing in Q where you do, I feel like, is because, like, oh, he's he's a rogue agent. He do- doesn't have, like, here's your mission and here's all the stuff you need for your mission. Like, it's kind of cool to see, like, Money, Penny, and, and Q being like oh we care about this this person not just like this guy we work with right like so they're they're trying to help him in in any way they can um but like it does take me out of it a little bit like yeah there's no real car sequence and like the, to me like and maybe this happens more often than not with the gadgets but it, like it jumped out to me it's like why did it did his like explosive device thing need to be uh toothpaste and why did the other thing need to be cigarettes it's like you never see him like going through customs or something it's like oh yeah these old just regular stuff like (laughs) like it just it could have just been like hey bond here's this this bomb that you can use right like well no the novelty of it it just it felt really like forced and unnecessary and well you
0: hit it right on the head because that's why it's directly lampooned in austin powers ah you know, like the the silliness of that all—the idea that this is the plastic explosive toothpaste—twice, <laughs> like that—that that can't be a mistake. And I think what what Mike Myers is trying to say, and I think also Bond actually does ultimately, is that uh, one, we have to move away from the ridiculous gadgets that make that no longer have relevance in the technological world that we live in. Um, but two, that like the the places that you go for jokes in these movies had to, had to go away. You know what I mean? And the Q segments were big joke getters, especially as we saw where they were trying to say about the ghetto blaster. We, they thought that was fucking hilarious. You know, so like, you know, going forward, um, you know, they had to change
1: that. Yeah.
0: And that's why you see the gadgets become... The phone, the remote control car, you know. Um, yeah. More, the, more practical. like More practical stuff. The
1: watch, like, more practical shit. Things that the, he would definitely have on him all the time that, like, look like they're normal, but they do more than, like, it's like, sure, he would have cigarettes on him. But, like, at no point does he, like, take them out and, like, take a cigarette to smoke and it looked like oh yeah these are not normal <laughs> they're just well that was earlier i don't know when
0: bond st- uh, it'll be interesting to see when bond stops smoking in the movies
1: well we already because he
0: did smoke he did smoke in the movies a lot
1: well he smoked in those but didn't he s- i don't think he smoked in the pierce Protestants.
0: i he definitely wouldn't have smoked in the pierce Protestants. that would have been after the anti-smoking movement right um, but these movies would have been in the era where it wasn't cool to do it in movies. Where I think we'll probably see Roger Moore do it. Lazenby is definitely gonna do it. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. Back to Robert Davi. So Robert Davi, the bad guy. I like that he has. Um. So he doesn't have any depth, but he has like a lot to do. And instead of like talking about like what he does. Like, we just kind of see him do his thing, and I like that a lot. I like that you're just like, you see this gangster be a gangster. He's got a fucking iguana with a diamond (laughs) anklet around its neck, (laughs) and he doesn't give a fuck, and he's got this, you know, super hot enslaved wife, woman, lady, which is tremendously sad, and uh, you can, you know, she's just this horrible, tormented you know lady who's now you know his you know subservient um and you know that's an interesting dynamic you know and it sets up uh ultimately the love triangle which this movie has that i don't know a ton of other bond movies actually have
1: right because like more often there are multiple bond girls uh but like they just don't interact, right? It's like one of them gets killed off, or one of them doesn't go further in the mission, or one of them is really just like his. Like he just uses her, and so very. I I, I don't think we've seen it before where there're multiple like this. It's also pretty forced, and like it was interesting how um uh, uh how how do you pronounce her last name uh, Bo- Bobier. Is that it? Uh, Bouvier. Bouvier. How she like calls out like, "You're in love with him," like because that was my reaction. I was like, "Lupe, how could you be in love with him? You've known this guy for like 20 minutes." Um, but I do think that her story is very much like, "This man is coming to rescue me from this horrible life that I'm I've come to know with with Sanchez," and like she says like, "Oh, I've been trying to get away from home for like 15 years." but she's kind of stuck in this new home. That is also a place that she needs to get away from. And so she like immediately clings to bond. Whereas like, I do feel like Bouvier and, and bond have more of a like actual relationship, which obviously by the end, we understand why he would go to her instead of to Lupe. Right.
0: Right. But it's, it's, it's back again, back to his like dramaticness about it all. Like I think the Pierce Brosnan Bond, like I could believe him doing this and not caring, you know, and also being able to keep it discreet, you know, <laughs> between all elements, you know what I mean? That he would never be put in that situation where they would cross like that.
1: Right. That's a good. Point. You know. You know.
0: So I he think wouldn't he's be caught
1: kissing another woman while the other woman is there like exactly he would go ahead
0: no no no. he's just he's just more um intelligent than that you know especially like think about goldeneye the opening sequence with the girl in the car and he's racing the hot he's racing fucking you know jean (laughs) gray you know like (laughs) when he's doing that like obviously yeah he's kind of flirting a little bit but you could also say that he's trying to mack on that analysis girl right you know so uh, I, uh this bond t- to me you know i i i like when he's i i do like when he's kicking ass i do and and i and I feel like it's earned in a lot of ways, especially this movie, that like he's out for revenge, I get why he's out for revenge, like his motivation is very simple, you know what I mean yep. but when you get to kind of the craziness that I think that's a little bit underdeveloped in this movie. Like why are they at the meditation camp? And when did the meditation camp and the meditation church system become the way that they launder the gasoline cocaine?
1: (laughs) Well, right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, are you buying your gas at the church now? (laughs) Like what
1: happens? Yeah. I feel like, I mean, I get why it's like, so it, it, it serves like two purposes right so it's like on the one hand it's this front for uh people to give money and they can use it for their own needs uh but it's also like this gigantic location that they can easily you know do their operation with with the gasoline and the and the drugs and you know they're showing the um the representatives from china i think right um yeah
0: from hong kong
1: hong kong um so like that's why they're there, but it's like, Wayne Newton.
0: <laughs> so Wayne Newton always wanted to be in a James Bond movie, really. And yeah, and then they put him in the movie. He's got. He's
1: in it. Like I thought he was just gonna be in that video, and he's like in it. <laughs> so like, so that's what I'm talking about. Like this is
0: very interesting to me. Like the idea that there's a meditation cult that has branches in the, in the States to me that this was probably more developed in the script and maybe there are some deleted scenes out there. You know, we don't know, but um, there, there, I don't think that there were many deleted scenes on the Blu-ray, but you know, I just feel like they underdeveloped this and they could have, I think a little bit more and it would have fleshed out kind of his whole operation. But I also understand kind of going for the crazy action set piece that they do at the end which is just like fucking epic and awesome and holds up and I think they uh the th- stunts that they were doing with the oil tankers were like really a, like kind of you know ahead of its time and trying to push what they could do with these stunt drivers and these kind of stunts that they could do right and they were doing it on a road that is like you know very uh you know haunted in Mexico just outside of Mexico City and the things that they do in this scene
1: are just fucking awesome. It's awesome and like I you know, I think in other Bond movies it, a lot of this stuff would have been done with models, right? Like it's pretty clear yeah. that it's not models. It's real. And but there are some also very absurd things that James Bond is able to do with this these tankers. Like <laughs> So there the two that jump out in my mind are, are one when he like goes on the side. Uh, like, on the two, like, left side wheels.
0: Yo, the driver did that without special effects, though. That's insane.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Like, like they had a special effect rig that they had built that had, like, a third wheel that would, like, come down near the head of the cab of the truck. Uh-huh. Um, but they ultimately, the guy was so talented that he could do it without it.
1: I also love that, like, the moment that he comes down is, like, to crush the car.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, the other one that's so absurd to me is when it, the it, it's just, like, the the head of the truck and he, like, yeah. pops a wheelie <laughs> through the fire. <laughs> so, yeah,
0: they built a... That's real, too. They built, So, like, that's what's also cool about these movies, I guess, is, like, we're so used to seeing that that would be totally done digitally now. Yeah. You know, they made a real rig where the, you know, the... Um, the axles were further back in the car in the truck so that it could do that, and it was real, you know. Like, and there's a real guy in there doing that. Um, yeah, I, I really like the ending of this movie. I I I love Robert Davi. I, I feel like he's kind of in this in the same way that Living Daylights doesn't really have the big bad like they were like this movie is a correction like we need a clear bad guy yeah (laughs) like you know like we need to figure out exactly who the bad guy is he's you know even in the promotional material it's like this guy's ripped from the headlines you know obviously going after uh noriega is really the guy they're trying to make you know uh, emulate not really pablo escobar um and I i think that they do really cool you know stuff in this movie with them
1: I like that I they don't... set him up in the beginning right that yeah at first you're like okay they're catching this guy so, so like that's it but like that's just the beginning right like this is how you're introduced to him and it's like he's getting his revenge in the be- at the you know right after in the first act and so after that we're following James getting you know, his counter revenge, the avenging, <laughs> the avenging. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think at the beginning, he, it, it almost is like, uh, is he just going to be another inept guy like we had in the last one, but like, no, he, he's just got this big, uh, empire that, you know, he almost got caught or, or he did get caught. Uh, but he's able to kind of recover from it. And like, Bond is really more like just like a nuisance to him, I think, or actually for most of the movie, he doesn't really know who Bond is. And he is kind of like bringing him in because he thinks he might be useful.
0: I liked that. This guy kind of very much emulates a certain president that we have. um, in that like, he's like too, he's too blinded by his own narcissism to fully understand what's going on sure so like crest is actually a character like is another character from a different uh short story that's like a minor character and they include him in this as kind of a cool uh b character too and that he sets up kind of how crazy um robert davi's uh you know franz sanchez is yeah uh that you know he's he would think that even his one of his best guys is out to get him Right. Um. And I I really liked that they played on kind of the narcissism and the craziness of his actual villainy in a way that you know maybe they haven't hadn't done in other you know James Bond bad guys where they kind of used his greatest weakness his vanity against yeah.
1: him. I think it's interesting because he has this line or a couple of times he says that my my men are a hundred percent loyal and it's like. I think he really believes that. And also it mostly is probably true because if, if the things that we just saw, maybe he like gets their loyalty from fear. Like maybe he's blown up a few other heads in the past and other people are like, I don't want to be like that. So we're going to stay in line. And so maybe he really does believe that his people are loyal, but he's also so like paranoid that the the first sense that something might be up, he he'll he'll snap and, you know, kill them um, because there are multiple guys that like. So the other the other one, would, uh, what's his name? Heller. That like. Yeah. Gets impaled. So, like, I, I can't remember his exact role.
0: Yeah. Heller is kind of lame. Like like they said. So with the exception of Benicio del Toro's Darrow Dario, which we haven't talked about yet, but we we got to talk about Um like, he doesn't have really a, a great crew. And I think that they kind of, I guess that's the kind of the sacrifice that you make, right? You either have a, a, a cabal of, like, you know, half-developed bad guys that, like, you either go through all at once or throughout the film, or you have one really well-developed bad guy and a ton of shitty, not-so-great-developed bad guys. Maybe one mediocre-developed bad guy. And I think that what they do in this movie is, like, you know, you know, pretty shittily. Just like depict, like, depict anybody who's Hispanic, you know, and associated with Sanchez, that they're probably a part of this thing and they're bad guys, right? And ultimately, the only person we get to know who's in this thing is Dario, played by Benicio Del Toro, and that's like you know not not as cool as it could have been to like know more of these dudes and you know fight more of them and you know maybe see some interesting you know fighting characters along the way um but like h- h- this movie is so like a, a movie of like the pre uh, um You know the pre-modern system that when they have this bar fight, like everybody just breaks into it like they're in the old saloon in the old West,
1: (laughs) and and the (laughs) dancer keeps dancing. She just like keeps going.
0: It's like fucking blazing saddles, (laughs) like you know. It's they almost crash through the other soundstage, you know. (laughs) It's it's nuts, Uh, and that's like oh, like this movie is an older movie, and that's where I think you know one of the cool things about it
1: is you do get to see. Baby Benicio, he's and baby. he's fucking awesome. He is. He is awesome. Um, he's got that. He has a lot of swagger. I feel like in this movie, I mean, he always does. So it makes well, sense. you yeah,
0: you get the kind of like. Um, well, first of all, he's he's you know he's beautiful, but also he's um, his whole characterization. Is that, you know, he doesn't give a fuck and he's young and like he's arrogant and like he's like Anakin Skywalker, mm-hmm. you know, and he's just like walking around here. Fucking fuck you. I'll fuck you up. I'll give a shit, you know, yeah. and he's awesome. And I really like uh, how he kind of is turned on at the end and th- the way he gets his come Would I like him to have been a true, you know, uh, physical um, antagonist, you know, to seg you? maybe but i do like his presence and i do feel him kind of fulfilling that role anyway
1: yeah so who cares and and maybe that's why it's like maybe it's not so much physical antagonist as it's more of like a henchman right like yeah like your two. lead
0: lead henchman <laughs> lead admir-
1: <laughs> yeah um, you know, like who's who's the vp of henchmen <laughs> <You know? laughs> can we get the vp of henchmen down here then you've got the other guy you've got the 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 financial advisor guy.
0: Oh, the wall street bro. Yeah.
1: He's so weird.
0: Yeah. That's a weird character for this movie, but it also fits because then you know what it does. It brings in the Americans as a bad, as a bad guy, you know, and they, and I'm sure that they had maybe done this in the earlier movies because we know that a lot of the Roger Moore movies have stuff to do in, in the States, but, uh, you know, I think that for a long time you couldn't have, you know, anybody's hands in the cookie jar who wasn't um, the Russians. And, you know, I could see how this movie kind of sets up what they do, you know, later in Quantum of Solace. Um, how they treat uh, the, the Americans in, you know, uh, you know later on in uh, the Craig movies. I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see um you know how they uh deal with the, the relation the special relationship kind of going forward, like living in the age of Trump, like like that's even if to say that they make any more James Bond movies, which I'm gonna go on record before we do the ratings and say I don't know if they're gonna make any more James Bond movies after this next one. Holy shit.
1: That I is think, that is a bold statement.
0: I think maybe they're gonna be done. Here's why. Whoa. I think that they've maybe explored the entirety of places that this character can go. And I don't think that taking him into the future um, further, uh, at, at least for, you know, a, maybe a long time, I would say maybe like a Star Wars level gap, like of... 1983 to 1999 Mm. like that kind of level of a gap I could see maybe, but I don't know if maybe James Bond is of his time in the 20th century. And I don't know if in the 21st century, now that the way that the world is changing so much that we're going to want him and we're going to need him.
1: Wow. It's interesting. I mean, I guess the more movies we watch, the more we see what's been done and it's like how, what, what else can really be done? Um, And it's hard, I mean, I think, I think there will always be a place for, like, action movies. um, Yes, for sure. Like, the superhero movies and the sci-fi stuff. Like, but, you know, we're going to have, like, Mission Impossible 6 and 7, and we're going to have some more Kingsman movies, and it's like, yeah. Yeah, but this is Bond 26. Well, Bond 25. Bond 20,
0: this is Bond 25, like. You know, like what we already know, Bond twenty five was already made, so mm-hmm. Bond twenty six, like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So like the idea that like this movie is gonna come out and uh, add to the oeuvre of of what they've done to be representative of the now, when this character is really based in a twentieth century world, and I think that they've done the closest they can get to the Fleming character in Craig. So whatever they get now will be different inherently from what James Bond was, right? I hear so like, you. Like what can he? What but, can he do now? Like he's money. already done everything. Money. Yeah, but money. But like, but that brings me back to our discussion we had in the retrospective on Craig, which is like, you know, do you do a? You know, do you change up the formula? Do you do a? a period piece? Do you do something, you know, do you do a remake? Do you do different versions of, you know, characters in different ways? Like to me, I I don't know. And, and and maybe, maybe the best thing to do is to kind of, you know, yeah, move on.
1: I can see going on the shelf for a little while. I think, uh, I think, you don't, you don't think they'll kill it. I don't think they'll kill it. I, I think uh, we could see at least a six-year gap, Um, especially just, like, knowing how much um, has been riding on on this last Bond and, like, that Daniel Craig has put in so many – such a different perspective. And it would be really hard to follow that up with just, like, another James Bond movie. I think – I feel like they need to come out with a statement and be like, we're going to pause for a while and, like, we'll take some time to develop and see what we want to do. Um, but I don't think James Bond has gone forever that I think there are enough people out there that would want to see something new. And I think there'll be people out there that, you know, will be able to come up with something and write something that we've never seen before. Um, I like the idea of a period piece. You said that before. What if there's like a future Bond?
0: <laughs> oh, like a Spider-Man 2099 kind of thing. That'd be cool. Yeah, that's kind of a cool that's actually kind of a cool idea that to, you take him out of reality. Right? Like that you
1: Frank, that's actually a great idea. It Doesn't even need to be a sci-fi movie. It could just be like does,
0: yeah, future bond and then you're just playing off of ideas that you know are beyond the nitty-gritty day-to-day, you know, different threats, different ideas, you know, cool futuristic thinking. That's a very smart
1: idea, Frank. All right. All right. I so hope ba- I hope Barbara and Michael are listening. I hope so. Um, so now let's skewer their movie. No, I'm just kidding. uh yeah. So th- we're uh, it's not to say I didn't like this movie.
0: I just think that compared to the other Bond movies, this ha- this movie has some things to talk about. So the opening sequence, I'm actually gonna drop a point because it's lame. Uh I'm gonna give that a four. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I I gave it a five. I was agreeing with you before. Um, It's like, I think it's cool in that it like, it does something different and it's like, oh, we're, we're, we're off on this one thing and we're going to a wedding. And they like are able to have this like whole mission capture this guy. And then like also land back at the church (laughs) is so absurd to me that it it was entertaining to watch. Um, But like in terms of spectacle, it's kind of, eh, but I do like his his stunt there. I think that's really really impressive.
0: I think the I think the stunt is the stunt is the only reason this thing has points. I think the the plot motivation of what's happening is is so Roger Moore, you know, and they're trying to do New Bond. Yeah. But they're also trying to set up kind of in like a Punisher kind of way like why he's going to be out for revenge, you know. Right. Um okay, so the plot, oh, that's a bad score. I got to lower that a little. Okay, Um, so (laughs) plot. I'm gonna go with a five. Um, Only be only because you can look at it both ways. Like I said earlier, like you can look at it one way and you can say this plot is you know three pages long and you got to take a nap in the middle, or you can say it's Bond is out for revenge. There's this guy he's gonna kill and he has to fuck with. He's gonna do whatever he's gotta do to do to stop
1: that. Mm. Did you Um, did you watch it in two parts? Again?
0: no I watched it completely
1: all the way through okay I did too um yeah I I, I also knocked it down to a five I, I just don't think there is a plot I think it's just like he's out for revenge and like he just keeps like following Sanchez throughout and trying to get closer to him and trying to get closer to him and it's just like every step of the way like just like skates by and then by the end it just kind of all explodes <laughs>
0: No, I feel you. and and that's why, like, I, I think it's, you know, the next category is also like, you know, frustrating, in that, like, I do really like having Q as a field op. I like seeing him around. I like that he's comic relief in later in the movie with Bod's Girls. I think that's really, really funny. It is. but I, <laughs> but like, there's also no car. The idea of the gun, you know, being, you know, tagged to his hand is, fine but like there's no and we ultimately the exact same um gadgets that they use to this movie that are they're trying to make cool we see lampooned and know from the lampooning before we know this movie right
1: so yeah um, i mean that that, that's our it's, it's our problem really right like if we saw this uh before we ever watched an austin powers movie and before we saw the later daniel craig movies where he's got the gun that only response to his palm. Yes. Maybe it's like, Oh, that's cool and unique. But for us, it's like, all right, um, what else? But yeah, I, I do like Hugh. I think like his, uh, little shtick towards the middle to the end where he's got the broom and he's got the fake mustache on. It's <laughs> like so absurd. Uh, but it's like, okay, why couldn't he just be like, just sitting in the bushes with, a, with binoculars or whatever. Right. Like, <laughs> They needed to make him be silly.
0: It's ridiculous, right? Like, it, they, you know, they, you take him out of context and it becomes so much more
1: comedy. Yeah.
0: You know, like, it, in the lab, in MI6, yes, this guy
1: makes sense. You Maybe know? we need just a pure Q comedy movie.
0: I'm down for that, actually. <laughs> you know, like, and he's just, like, getting into, you know, hijinks, making different kinds of materials. Ah, I think that would be great. That'd be great. Um, Bond girls, you know I like them, but I think they're forgettable. You know I like both of the actresses. I think they're both beautiful. I think they're both okay.
1: Yeah. So okay. So you gave them a, a five. I gave them yes. a six. Um. Yeah, they are both beautiful. I think. Um. I feel I. Yeah, Lupe just like. I feel bad for her more than anything, and I. I don't really think she has much. Like service to the plot, and like she's just kind of, especially in the beginning, she's just like half naked everywhere, just like, uh, like I don't know, I, I, what am I supposed to do? Leave me? Like, I, she's she's like less interesting to me than um, Bouvier. I think she's like a really good foil for Bond, and like being an ex-army pilot, and like she could really hold her own, and she does a lot of action throughout this movie, but. Also has some like weird moments as well that it's like come on like this is a movie of the late eighties and uh, they're gonna treat women this way. Yeah, it's
0: interesting. You know, it's interesting because they're trying to appeal to I think two different. This is gonna sound bad, but two different generations of women. I think they're trying to appeal to. The younger women who see her in part as an independent counterpart equal to Bond, you know, who is a the CIA, you know, replacement for Felix in now, you know. And then they're also trying to play to, you know, the wives of the husbands who've been fans since the Connery era who want to see someone fall in love with Bond. And I think you kind of get both ends with her in in a way. Because if she was all, you know, Gen X or um, if she was all, uh, you know, you know, independent 80s ladies, uh, you know, she wouldn't care about James Bond at all. That's true. Uh, but she does care about Bond. And if she, you know, if she gave, let on too much more, that you wouldn't buy that she's like a real... Independent, you know, kick-ass CIA agent.
1: Right, and and like the as much as I I uh, harped on Lupé earlier, falling in love with Bond so quickly, like Bouvier does the same thing. It just it maybe takes a little bit more time, and they spend more time together. Like they they escape in the boat, and then it's like, oh, the boat is out of gas. What are we gonna do? Let's fuck. Like- yeah, it,
0: that's exactly <laughs> their plan. Um, I don't know. Like it's. It's interesting. It, it's also the first time where, like, Bond is, like, falling in love. Like, like the other movies, like, I feel like... A great example is, like, Michelle Yeoh. Like, he falls in like with her. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, he's like you see, like, their attraction, and you're like, oh, they're attracted to each other because they have similar interests. They do similar things. Like, they're kind of alike. Like, oh, that makes sense. In uh, Skyfall, you know, you really buy... Um, you know, that he loves M. you know, that he, he that's his favorite person, and, you know, he wants to be with her, and, uh, you know, and her to be okay, and her to protect him, like, in these, in this movie, like, you know, he's, like, really falling in total love with this lady, and, you know, we've already heard from Felix that he's been married again, like, so it, it's just weird and, and like it's also I guess playing around that same time of like we don't want him to be too promiscuous we want him to kind of be more reined in um, and you know we want him to have the will they won't they aspect of it and kind of the dramaticness of it in yeah. this
1: movie. Yeah it's interesting that I mean, we talked about the love triangle already but it's it, it's uh, yeah interesting that they went this way um, especially after the last movie where it was just like one Bond girl
0: Yep. Um, um Villain. So villain. This is the redeeming factor of this movie for me. Um. I think Robert Davi is the man. Um. He, you know, really kicks ass. I think he's, he's having a good time. You know what I mean? Like in the, in all the ways that like Dalton is brooding and being, you know, emo, like Robert, Dal- Robert Davi is being like, fuck. Yeah. I have a fucking lizard, man. <laughs> I'm the fucking man, dude. And, and like, he's also, don't fuck
1: with me. He's also like, oh, it's just money. Like he doesn't care when he loses like two million dollars in the water or whatever it is. Like he's just like, I have so much more. It doesn't matter. Just like let the guy. Or like um, when he blows up, uh, what's his face? Uh, Cast is his name. Or what's his name? Uh, crest. Craft? crest? Crest. When he blows up his head, like all over all that other money, and it's just like, yeah. Launder it. No big deal. Like it's just money to him. And he's just like, he has this great swagger. Um, I do feel like he's not quite menacing. He's just kind of like a bad dude. And no, you're right. Yes. And, um, and I think also like, it's definitely like bond is going for, for revenge. And it's not so much like, I think it is more interesting when it's the other way. Like the, the bad guys out to get bond or out to like, do something evil, and you can understand their motivations. Right now, like, his motivations are just, I want to make a shitload of money and, you know, sell all these drugs and control all these people and have this badass life.
0: Well, it's it, you know, it's also the, you know, the power of it all. Yeah. Like, the, the, the fact that he was the ultimate, you know, in, the in the ultimate position of power, paying yeah. off governments and people and everything.
1: He was even, uh, even the president of... What country was it? Ismus, Republic of Ismus,
0: which I think was—I think he's referring to Panama.
1: Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, but he was definitely so, in control of the president there too.
0: Yeah, he—that was his—that was his area. So, Robert Davi, wherever you are out there, and your—you know—ridiculous um, uh, hairpiece that I saw in the special features that you come back for in the mid two thousands. we hope you're well. <laughs> we love you, but you know, lose the piece. It's okay to be bald. Physical antagonist. uh, Number six. I, I I gave this a six, not number six. I gave this a six because um, I think Benicio is cool to see baby Benicio. I think he's definitely threatening and scary and he's, it's cool to see, I think.
1: Yeah. I, I gave it a five. I do like Benicio. I do wish he had more to do. Um, It's also interesting. There was like this whole, like, uh, sequence of like, I guess there were Chinese. I mean, I don't know. They they were basically ninjas. That's like all I could think of, right? They're just yeah, and the fight
0: ninjas.
1: Him. Like so weird that they just had to feel like they included that. Um, but yeah, it's just like a bunch of guys that he ends up fighting. No one ends up being. I think there's a lot more like physical threats for Bond than necessarily a person. Um, so. In that way, yeah, uh, I give it a five, but it, in terms of henchmen, ben- Benicio's pretty cool. Bond performance.
0: Bond performance category. Um, I went with a six because I think that while you can see that Timothy Dalton does bring a lot to the role and he's really trying um, to play this menacing, you know, devil may care version of Bond I just think he gets in the way of believing it's bond and then it dissolves into another movie. Like you said early on that it, it doesn't always feel like bond.
1: Yeah. So I think what's interesting is like last week we were talking about living daylights and you were like, Oh, I'm going to give this a low score and see how he does the next time around. Like to me, like I actually feel like he, not that he got worse, but I, I just don't, it's not as believable to me. Like I, I liked his performance in the last movie. Um, and the movie, I feel like overall is better. Uh, this one, it just was like, I I think the action is, is great. And his stunt work is great, but I just, and I guess we had a a scene of him in a casino, which is cool, but just all the other like standard things uh, that you expect out of a bond. It just didn't really get there for me. Um, I don't know, do you think that if
0: they had just trimmed it up and like made it a little bit more streamlined that it would have played better, probably,
1: yeah, it's like two hours and fifteen minutes or whatever if they if they cut off twenty minutes of it, like I don't know how, but there's definitely if it's just a chase to get revenge, there's like easy probably sequences that you could just take the whole thing out, right,
0: you know. Um, I I just think there's too much, and and it gets all lost together in it all. Yeah. Um, It's cool to see him do the espionage. It's cool to see him do the, you know, the action sequence on the water, getting away from the boat and going into the plane. Like, yeah, it's cool, but ultimately, you know, it's also, you know, this like water ballet sequence oh um, the, yeah
1: uh we'll get there the, uh
0: the barefoot jet skiing that's that was sweet um, um it's yeah, weird to it me though that cool. like
1: in james bond movies like in this one particular he's like oh i'm he, he was trying to convince sanchez that he was like a uh like a, a guy for hire like an assassin or whatever like he never is like not gonna say that his name is james bond like what has james bond ever assumed another identity to like do the espionage
0: He's always just like... Uh, yes. Remember in World is Not Enough when he is the oh, yeah, yeah, guy yeah. and he goes into the, the cave. And it doesn't go um, over very well. <laughs> no. Uh, right. So I want to move on to the next category because I think this really cements what it is. So okay. um, the legacy of this movie is that, one, it was originally titled License Revoked. Two, um, that it's, uh, it's the quote-unquote dark bond right? Right. Like that it's amped up. It's, it's darker. It's deeper. It's got more gore. It's got more violence. It's got a head exploding. Um, I don't think that over time it still looks as dark as it wanted to be. I think for the time it was probably medium dark, right? It couldn't have been as bleak or as realistic as a diehard, as a lethal weapon. Just Or even think of Terminator at that point. Right. You know, as gritty, as, you know, kind of gory as those movies were at that time when you could make kind of gory movies in these in these ratings.
1: Yeah, because it's it, this is still PG. It's not like it's rated R. Like, if they had... Totally. If it was rated R, they could have really made it darker. And it's like, to me, like, this being labeled as a dark Bond, like, looking at, like, Skyfall, like, okay, uh sky falls darker <laughs> like sky falls dark but i want to talk about
0: a, a little bit like the difference between like the dark and gritty universe which i i think i want to kind of let, let's call the batman begins of it all the dark and gritty reboot the dark and gritty um you know exponent of the ip uh you know for with, this with daniel you, craig you mean well, but, yeah, well, the, so, like... Because this isn't
1: the dark and gritty reboot, right?
0: No. Okay. Like, that's what I'm saying. So, like, that when they do Casino Royale, they're doing it in that in that aesthetic to the point where, you know, they're trying to g- ground it in both a a bleak outset for humanity, but also in gritty, the realness and the brutality of what's actually happening whereas this is just dark for dark's sake it's just timothy dalton being more menacing and more brutal as a as an exponent of bond than previous iterations so like that the the inherent way to do the the dark and gritty reboot is not necessarily to you know, just amp up the violence, amp up the gore and amp up the uh, dramatic music, which we didn't even we, we, I can't wait to talk about um, like that just by doing that doesn't make it more dramatic or, or more dark that you need kind of the gritty realisticness of it. Like, do you believe that D- Dalton is ever beat up in this movie? No,
1: he's fine. That's true. Yeah, and that's like something after watching the Daniel Craig's that we always were like you feel him every punch, every, you know, fall, everything that he, it, it just feels so physical here. It's like at the end of the movie, when, um, the, the tanker like flips over the side, I was like, first of all, both of them be dead <laughs> instantly, yeah. but also like he gets up and I'm like, that was like the only point where I was like, man, that probably hurt a lot. And he looks like he's kind of a little worse for wear, but like the next scene, he's fine. He's all cleaned up. Like, that's cool. Like, I, I think that's – well, there was one moment where he had his shirt off, like, uh, in the hotel that, like, you see some scars on him, which is kind of cool. Um, but, like, you never see – and like but they're, like, old scars. In this movie, you don't see him, like, oh, I've got a, a bloody lip that, like, needs to heal for, like, a few days. Like, Daniel Craig, when he's in, in a, a Bond movie, his – injuries last throughout the movie. Like they don't just get wiped away in the next scene, you know?
0: No, you're, you're right. And to me, you know, the, the continuity, the legacy of this movie, if it's to, to be the so-called dark bond, it's legacy be damned. Um, okay. Special effects. I think the special effects are great in this movie. Um, the underwater photographer was a guy from Mexico who lived in Mexico city, who uh was a very experienced underwater photographer and that's why i think the underwater shots in this movie look really awesome
1: yeah underwater shots are awesome the explosions are really really good like all that stuff at the end with the the tankers um and then like i i really like the the water skiing bit and just like him climbing onto planes and climbing onto you know the from out of helicopters and Um,
0: And I got to believe that it's, like, it's got to be, like, the team. They work with the team a little bit, and they're like, hey, mate, you got to meet Nigel. Nigel's the best fucking coordinator in our fucking company. And they get fucking Nigel to come back on the second movie, like, in Tomorrow Never Dies. And they make this bigger action-sequency stuff. But this movie is action sequences. Right. You know, like, they built a movie around big... Big explosions. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the
1: the locations are, like, fine. It's, yeah, not, the locations are fine. There's not a lot of difference, I think, and that's kind of a little bit disappointing. Um, All right.
0: Let's talk about what, you know, as musical musician people, we have avoided the whole fucking time, and that is the score and the song. Um, I hated it. Hmm. I hated it. I didn't. I didn't just not like it. I didn't just feel that it didn't make sense. I hated it. I hated it the whole time. So what did you think?
1: I so you, you. I hated it. You gave it a one, which is like.
0: I gave it a one. It's the lowest score I've ever given ever anything given. at any rating of
1: the system so far. I gave it a five. Um. So, just like a little context, maybe why i i kind of had the volume a little bit lower on this one um it was a work day for megan but i like was trying to watch it but like the things like with these movies it's like sometimes it's so quiet when they're talking and you have to like turn up the volume and then like it's like blue boom, boom boom explosions and you have to like go back and forth so i ended up like turning it down a bit and was just like i had the captions on which like you've been recommending for a while, which actually yeah. helped a lot for me for like the plot and stuff.
0: So, yeah. So
1: honestly, I feel like the score is pretty forgettable to me. I, I didn't really hear a lot of it. Um, I feel like the song is pretty bad. With Gladys Knight. Um, I do like, like when the movie first starts, like, like after the opening sequence and you get the, those credits, they have like the wah but that is also very Austin Powers. <laughs> it's super Austin powers
0: you know but it's i mean i guess they're they're calling back to goldfinger right yeah which is cool but it's also like come on guys like like literally they're stealing jokes from us (laughs) like this movie is jokes (laughs) like and the, the what i hate about it is just like it just it's so bellicose and like i don't want james bond to have that level of heaviness. Mm. Like I don't think of James Bond in drop D guitars. Like James Bond is in standard tuning. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, and he's got a little bit of fuzz, but he's mostly clean, you know? And, and that's like my space for it. So to kind of feel like this, like drop D orchestra, do we hear the theme at all? You do, you do, but it's, um, uh, you know, it's not super modernized. I think what they did for a while until they got into the Craig movies was how you do the theme, and I think that what they nailed in Skyfall is is the the theme is tied to the ancestral characterness of it. So yeah. when he sees the DB five, the Batmobile, yeah, you hear, you know, the the OG Barry theme, right, right. And I think what they did in this movie is it's the first version of like post Barry, because Barry isn't gone now. Um, where they're like, all right, we have to reiterate it and then we have to do his version. We have to do his arrangement um with our people, you know, our style. And they did that, and I think it just sounds it sounds drop D. It sounds it sounds yeah. um over processed and like that eighties compressed sound um also like the
1: end song
0: uh yeah two songs weird
1: but that was like an actual just like 80s song it wasn't tied to the movie i was like why did they choose that that's so weird um okay you convinced me i knocked it to a four um overall yeah your score is a 49 mine is a 55 um these are pretty low uh compared to some of the other ones i don't think it's the lowest um it's not the lowest for you no quantum of solace is no and die another day die another day quantum of solace i think for me this might be the lowest um which i think is kind of fine like i i also didn't really like world is not enough uh on its rewatch but like i think you know i i liked living daylights way better than this one um i think I did, too. I thought Living Daylights was kind of a cool movie. Like, that one was a cool movie. It's cool to see something I've never seen before, and I would probably go back and watch it. Like, I think the only reason I would watch License to Kill again is because I didn't watch it with Megan. And it would be like, all right, you want to see this one we haven't seen? All right, great. Um, Yeah, but you could also, like, skip
0: a lot. You could do some nice scene selections. That's true. You know, you could be like, oh, we don't need these (laughs) few minutes here and there. (laughs) Speed that
1: motherfucker up. Yep.
0: All Um, right. Yeah. Okay. Team, we did it. We did it, Frank.
1: Three bonds down. Three bonds. That's half of them. Half of them. Um, Not half the movies, though.
0: (laughs) All right. So just to fill you in before we wrap up completely. So our order is a little bit cockamamie. We're trying to do it in a way that seems logical to us (laughs) um, and us alone. And that's all you really need to know. Uh, So what we're trying to do, I think right now is we're bookending Roger Moore. Okay. So we've just done Timothy Dalton, what they did after Roger Moore and to see what they did um, and why we had to go with Mr. Roger Moore. We're going to go back way back to 1969 and we're going to check out on her majesty's secret service with the infamous George Lazenby, the shortest stint as any James Bond ever. Um, and I think it's important to look at that kind of in the context of another Bond who did another short stint, uh, because um, I think there is something to be said about being a legacy Bond and being a one or a two-timer Bond that is significantly different.
1: Yeah, and I think there it, it'll tell a lot. like. After watching these two Dalton movies, it's okay. There, there's some clear reasons why Goldeneye is the way it is, right? Yes, and like exactly w- what happens, and so um, it'll be interesting. I think the weird thing about On Her Majesty's Secret Service is that they come back and do another Connery before they go to Roger Moore. Um, so it's like sort of like course correction, but I, I, I don't know. It, I think the one thing about our order is like. It'll be interesting to see this one-off and tie it to Dalton, but it also won't help with the context of, like, all right, Sean Connery, ladies and B, Sean Connery, Roger Moore. Um, but-, but
0: even in the later, well, I think something to be said about, like, even thinking about, like, Die Another Day, is, like, a bond in his later years is a different bond from the earlier films he appears in. yeah so like, I think to see when we see diamonds are forever, um, which is also kind of a remake, right? It is. So like, that's like, I think it's kind of, it's going to be interesting to see where that kind of fits because in my mind, like the next cultural bond would have been live and let die. I mean, it's got the kick-ass wings song, right? You know, and it's, I don't know. Um, and then you, and my dad was a Roger Moore guy anyway. Um, Okay. So ladies and gentlemen, um, this has been a great episode. I've uh, been, I hope you enjoyed it. I fucking thoroughly did. Uh, you can find us www.longlostheroes.net. You can check us out online at LLH podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can check out the podcast on all streaming services, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, Google, uh, you name it, we're on it. um, one of my oh you can email us info at net. i'm
1: aj and i'm frank thank you everybody thanks everyone we'll catch you next week